0: Welcome everybody, grab your coffee, your tea, your glass of wine, whatever it is that you need in this moment for you. We're going to dive into a conversation with a human being who I actually just met last week, but I feel like our conversation it flowed out of the podcast interview that I was doing for his show, and we just kept going and going and going. And so it's so nice to have you back. The tables have turned. I get to interview you this time and get Love to it. learn all about Paul, who you are what you're about, how you got to this space where you are a self-love coach, a business mentor, take me all the way back to where this journey began for you.
1: First of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, but I'm going to take you back, way back, back into time. Um, Anyone know that song? Nah, baby, nah, baby, nah, baby, don't leave me, girl. Anyway. Ah. (laughs) Okay, so it was around, wow, I'm turning 37 next month, so it was 12 years ago. And I was 25, and I very clearly remember sitting on the floor of my New York City basement apartment, crying, thinking to myself, what am I doing with my life? I have no idea what's going on. I've worked my way up the corporate ladder for this really important job, but I'm hashtag dying inside from this job. I have a partner who on paper is amazing, but is emotionally abusive, doesn't make me feel good about myself. And there were a gazillion other things that were going on in my life. I had a poor relationship with my body. I was very overweight um, for my specific body. And I just didn't know who I was. Like I was looking in the mirror before this breakdown and I couldn't recognize the human staring back at me. So that was like rock bottom. I was just like, how did I get here? And more importantly, how do I get out of here? Now, this was more of just like instinctual. I just had to follow my intuition and really stop silencing that voice inside of me that had been telling me to leave, to quit, to go and do other things for probably years. Really how I got here was as a people pleaser. I was living my life hoping that I would meet the expectations that I thought other people had for me, right? Not necessarily that they had for me, but that I thought other people had for me. And all of these things really kind of like broke me because I was chasing other people's dreams for me and they were not aligned with what I wanted. So fast forward maybe a year and a half, I left the relationship, I left the job, And ended up being broken even more by New York City that I moved back in with my parents across the country in San Diego. And really still was so stuck in this, let me just try one more time to make my parents proud of me. So my dad had always been like this big believer in family legacy. Like he worked at his, um, his father's business and sold that and then started his own company and wanted one of his kids to find interest in the family business. Was I interested in it? Absolutely not. Did I have any desire to do it? But it was really the only way that I felt that I could be saved from my current mess of a life. So I started working for the family business and it was the best worst 16 months of my life. I learned so much about entrepreneurship and also I really can be a case study for never work with your family. Okay. Jump to me leaving all of that in like a massive blow up. My father had this thing that he would do where he would uh, humiliate me in front of all of the office. And we were a startup, like we were starting an e-commerce business within his larger company. He would just humiliate me in front of all of my peers whom I was supposed to be like their boss. So one day I just had enough, stood up and I said, dad, you know what? Fuck you. And I pointed him, the energy, because I no one's ever stood up to this man before, I saw it leave me, it like stopped him in his tracks, and I said, I'm done, I'm out of here, I left, I never went back, he kicked me out of the house that I was living, and at the time, my now husband, he and I were both living there, so he gave us two weeks to move out, and... My life felt like it was crumbling, but I also felt so liberated because I finally was doing what I wanted to do, which was stepping into being my own boss. And then I became a top spin instructor in San Diego, personal trainer, nutrition coach. Yeah, so we're we're almost to the part where I turn into a self-love leader and coach and you do you activist. So the next piece of the puzzle is... Four years into being a personal trainer and spin instructor and all this stuff, my my body, I was wired and tired. I once again found myself on the floor exhausted, crying, looking at my husband being like, what am I supposed to do? My body can't go any longer. And it was at that moment that I really asked for support. And I'm sitting on the floor with one of my personal training clients. We're stretching, it's early morning, and she's just like, oh, I just, I don't even want to work out. Can we just stretch? Can we just talk? And like, if you've ever had a personal trainer, you know that most most of them are just like therapists in like, you know, workout clothes, right? So, we're talking and she says the words that changed my life forever. She said, Paul, I just need to lose three more pounds. And I know that the man that I'm dating will finally love me the way that I love him. And it was like a video montage of every single client I ever worked with who's, who said something very similar to that. And ultimately, the direct translation for me was that Everyone was doing the health and wellness journey or whatever it might be for external validation, whether it be to fit into the clothes, to take a picture on Instagram, to get more likes, to get a better job, to be seen as a certain way because your body looks different. Everyone was doing the transformation journey with me for external validation. And I just sat in my car afterwards and I was dumbfounded. I was like, why is this a thing? Because this is something that I've been suffering through. And then I just decided that I was going to get to the bottom of this. Like, why is it that our society pushes us to crave external validation first? Why is it that children sacrifice themselves for their parents' dreams and desires? Why is it that we do all of these things for other people and we lose ourselves in it? So that's really when like, I realized that I wanted to teach people how to do it for themselves first. And it was like four years ago. And back then, no one was talking about self-love, let alone there were no men talking about self-love. So I had some really big opportunities right out of the gate. And it's just kind of snowballed since then. And I get to do what I love every single day, which is help people learn that they are worth doing anything that they want and that you don't have to sacrifice your relationships for your dreams, right? This is kind of the the whole self-love is selfish moment. And self-love, I believe, is the most selfless thing that you can do. Because if you love yourself enough to show up with the God-given gifts that you were birthed with, the things that bring you so much joy that you are innately powerful and good at, if you are brave enough to use those gifts that will do 10 times, 20, 50, 100 billion times more for the world than you sacrificing yourself for others. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
0: That's the interview. There we go, everyone. Just rewind that. Listen to that 15 times. I I feel like I'm going to vomit. I've got like goosebumps 900 times and I just fainted a few times listening to that. (laughs) over. There's so much to break down in this conversation. And I want to start with one of the key things that stood out to me, which was your desire to please others. This subconscious behavior that we engage in to turn ourselves into and morph ourselves into what we believe our parents, our grandparents, our friends, society as a whole needs or wants us to be. Do you still notice that this shows up for you in moments?
1: Absolutely. It's, I want to meet someone who has a zero, zero people pleasing, right? Who isn't like a sociopath, like serial killer, like a um, someone who's like an actual human, you know, because the thing about it is like, we as human beings are social animals, right? So There is always going to be this dance that we do with other humans, like, do they like me? Do they not like me? So to talk a little bit more about people-pleasing, there's some specific things that I want you and the listeners to take away from it, is that it's not 100% your fault that you're a people-pleaser. First of all, people-pleasing can be a safety mechanism. It can also be a trauma response. Right? To give you a little bit more insight into my childhood, I was a very happy baby. I'm the firstborn of three, and for two years, I was the only child. And I was the apple of my father's eye. Now my father, and I'm just so proud of him because he's been doing a lot of his healing work later on in life, but like just seeing the growth that he's done um, over the past year and a half is so exciting. But when I was a little kid, he had a little bit of a rage problem. There was never a feeling of safety in our home. So it was easier to make sure that his emotions were monitored, his emotions were taken care of, which kind of conditioned in the people pleasing, right? And so if you're listening to this and you can relate to that story, know that it's not 100% your fault, right? Your trauma is not your fault. However, it is your responsibility to heal it, honey. Okay, so if you continue to point your finger out at someone else and blame them for your trauma, what is that doing? It's doing absolutely nothing. You are victimizing yourself. And moreover, you're living in your victimhood, right? It's very different to be a victim and then live in the victimhood, right? We're all victims of other people, right? Something bad, I guarantee you, has happened to each and every one of us in our lifetime. You are the victim. If you remove yourself from that, you are no longer the victim and you are no longer living in victimhood. However, I see so many people carrying that victim mentality through their life. And that is one of the other things that I really love helping people heal through, is removing themselves from the trauma And acknowledging that, hey, this happened to me, it's not my fault, but it is my fault if I continue allowing it to control my life.
0: What does that look like to step away from victimhood? Some of the dialogue that I often hear is, you know, I was in a relationship and he cheated on me or he was abusive in some form, or my mom was so intertwined with diet culture and she was always talking about her weight. And then that impacted my body image. And now I'm stuck with this insecurity and this focus on food and my body. So there's so many scenarios where we are perhaps the victim, but how do you start to shift away from the disempowerment that comes with that label?
1: Yeah. So this is a great question. And I think it'd be really potent for me to share a client's story of how we moved through this. So a client came to me and I'm going to shift the story a little bit just to maintain confidentiality. However, they came to me with a very traumatic event that happened early on in their life that they were having trouble remembering. And the memory... For like the first 12 weeks that we were working together, all they wanted was to remember if it was their fault. And I was like, why does it matter whether it was your fault or not? And it took a while to release the shame. And then when we flip this, we start looking at radical responsibility, right? Radical responsibility to me is standing in the ownership And so when we moved into this radical responsibility piece, the first step is always noticing. So my clients started noticing when that past trauma triggered them into an experience that didn't feel good or didn't embody their truth. And really, the noticing piece is the most important and it's also the most challenging because we have coping mechanisms, right? So my client's coping mechanism was pizza. And then there was this spiral of eating the pizza and then feeling shame and then feeling guilt and then eating more to suppress that shame, suppress that guilt. And we were stuck in this cycle. So the radical responsibility is like a chainsaw that we take to the cycle and break it and turn it into a a line that we can walk, right? So you start at the beginning and say, okay, this is the trauma. I remember it. And the thing about it is, and this is the uncomfortable piece, is we sit in the trauma and we turn the volume up on it. We turn the fear up on the trauma. And it's really, really important to do this in a safe space. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to do it right now. It's like, (laughs) um, I just want you to pump the brakes right now. It's important to either work with someone like myself or Aaron and really have the space held for you to also feel safe. Because when you're sitting in that trauma and you turn up the volume, what you're doing is you're turning up the volume of the fear because fear controls a lot of these trauma responses and fear, we don't want to feel it, but fear is just energy. So what I do with my clients is we turn up the volume on the fear. We get really, really safe and then poof the fear disappears.
0: What's your technique for turning up the fear? I love talking to you about this because so much of what we do is the same, but we use different language around it. So is that meditation? Is that talking about the experience? Is that doing a mind body scan and really feeling into your body? What does that look like?
1: It's different for every client, right? What I see across the board is as an intuitive healer, When I'm sitting and working with someone one-on-one, there's a moment in time where you can see the fear move through the body. Uh, A lot of times it gets stuck at the throat, right? Because that fear wants to come out as tears. And we've been told, as men, you're weak if you cry. And as women, you're crazy if you cry. I can see clients swallowing the fear down. And I say, hold on, close your eyes. What's going on in your body? So it's all about the body. The body has all the answers. The body has... Everything that you need to know in it already. It's when our mind gets involved that we run into issues, right? So other um, ways to turn up the fear are I will have my clients get really comfy like in a blanket on pillows on the floor or somewhere cozy and Find a song and we all that song that just brings up all the emotions press play put it on repeat And just breathe and listen and tap into your emotions. So many of us don't know what it feels like to feel.
0: It's so cool to hear you talk about this. I think that a lot of people wonder what happens in these sessions and what do you do in therapy or coaching or, and so I always like to pull back the veil a little bit and to talk about the different experiences that people may or may not have. Mm -hmm. If crying makes a woman crazy. Then I'm like 10 on the crazy Mm -hmm. scale, but I'm also the happiest I've ever been. And one of the things that I learned was that we can't suppress one emotion without putting the same cap on all the other emotions. So if you're constantly pushing down your tears or your shame or your fear, because we've been told that we're not supposed to feel those, you're also putting a cap on your ability to tap into joy and excitement Mm -hmm. and hope and possibility. And so I've experienced that firsthand that when I allow a wave of any emotion, to kind of rise, come up, present as tears or anger or frustration. And I journal about it, or I move through it, or I speak to it, or I just cry and sit in the emotion and do nothing at all, but feel it that eventually like a wave it passes. I just want everyone for their homework this week to cry. Just let it, Mm. just find some way to let yourself have that release. I swear. It's the, one of the most powerful healing things you could possibly do. Back to your story for a second here with your dad and this epic fuck you moment in the office, I think those moments with our parents are some of the most challenging because these are the first individuals who we've needed to connect with. We've needed to please in order to feel a sense of belonging and safety. And I think we do this in friend groups as adults. Part of human nature is to want to belong in a tribe. Like we needed that. So we please. So you had spent a lifetime essentially doing this for your dad. And then it all comes crashing down. What was that? You said it was liberating. Was Mm -hmm. it terrifying as well?
1: I mean, it was a fight or flight response. And normally your boy flies away, but there was something inside of me that was just like, no longer, sir, you are not allowed to treat me this way anymore. It was really hard to this day. There have been multiple times where I have to sit with my husband and tell him that we are safe. I'm not going to get us kicked out of our apartment. Because like we were, we had a plan. We were saving money to move out and we got kicked out. We had two weeks, right? And we kind of had to settle into an apartment that Richard, my husband, didn't really like. And all these things happened. It was really like it, just the dance that we do with our partners and and how we tend to marry our trauma and stuff like that. So like a lot of his trauma and wounding and stories were brought up within that moment and triggered. And, you know, he does the same for me. So it's like a beautiful opportunity to just live with the mirror all day long. But, you know, back to the relationship with my dad, you know, we didn't speak for a few months. And then eventually, when I settled into my new full-time fitness thing, I felt safer because there was always a control factor. The money the support, the safety was always a control factor for my father. And he was always secretly keeping score. Like I gave Paul a job. I gave Paul a place to live. I took his husband in. I did all these things. So he owes me, right? And first and foremost, that is not the way to be a, a parent. Like I will, I will simply sit here and call my father out for like, that is not something you do. We make a conscious, and maybe subconscious and maybe also unconscious contract with our child when we bring them into this world that we will take care of them and protect them. And the way that my father was treating me was none of those things. As children, there are so many ways that we want to be loved and something that like destroyed me that my therapist told me my session was that our parents will never love us the way that we crave to be loved. It's just impossible. The only person who can truly love us the way we want and crave to be loved is ourselves.
0: What you just said about it not being our parents' job to give us the love that we fully crave. And so then I flipped that as a parent. Okay, then what's my job? And I almost imagined like a water bottle or some sort of vessel. It's like, my job is to fill them up as much as I possibly can. And maybe that's 50%, 75% of their love tank. My job though, is to give them the tools to learn to love themselves. And that is their job to continue that journey of accepting Mm -hmm. themselves, their gifts, the lessons that they're going to learn. But can I give them some tools so that as they're navigating the ups and downs of life, the good emotions, the hard emotions, which are all theirs to have, do they have space, somebody to talk to, tools in their tool belt that they can come back to, practices that they can use to help them come home to their truth?
1: I would love to talk a little bit more about parenting because it really, really excites me. So I was working with a client and she came to me because she was like, I need to love myself because I see my kids mimicking my behaviors and I don't want them to grow up that way. So she came to me, she said, I need to love myself for other people. And I said, I'm going to stop you right there. You are going to forget about other people while you're on your self-love journey. And she said that that was one of the most profound moments for her because she realized that all her life, especially as a parent, she was living her life for her children. And then So I said, I want you to focus on doing these things for you. And if you want to bring your kids into the daily exercises, you want to do that, that's great. But I want you to just get curious, start noticing what is the impact that you saying yes to you is going to have on your kids, your partner, whomever. And that's, that's, it's really, really fun when, you know, I get the women who are like, God, I wish my husband would do this work. And I'm like, just you wait. you you continue doing it. And they're going to be like, what are you doing differently? Let me try that out.
0: Absolutely. With going into it with no expectation that anyone else will drink the water. But as you start to feel better, everyone around you is like, what's going on over there? What's like this new energy that's there? And whether they go to the same coach or the same therapist or they start to figure it out, you rub off on people. I, I love what you said, though, that The most important thing that we can do is work on ourselves. Zero expectation as to how that will impact those around us. But undoubtedly, it does.
1: It's so much harder to work on ourselves than to just focus on other people changing. So, Isn't
0: that the truth? If I just fix them, if I just change that, if they just do this, if they just say that, then I will feel better. We marry our trauma. You said that we marry our trauma. Tell me a little bit about that. So many of us have been in relationships, want or crave a relationship or in relationship patterns that we're like, why do I keep choosing the same person over and over again? So speak to me a little bit about that.
1: Okay. So first of all, it's not a blanket statement. Like if you're married or you're in a relationship and you're listening to this and you're just like, what? My trauma? Huh? Hmm? This isn't a one size fits all. Okay. So when we come, when it comes to marrying trauma, the only opportunity I have to share is via my own experience, right? So I will speak about myself as my partner's trauma. So, and he's given me permission to share his story because it's it's just very impactful. So my husband grew up, his parents were young parents and they got married because that was the right thing to do. And he essentially at eight years old had to balance the checkbook to make sure that Rent was going to get paid. He would have to call his grandparents to say, Grandma, we're $1,000 short from the mortgage. Can you send it over? And grandma would show up with cash because his parents were very irresponsible. So I'm not saying that I'm irresponsible with money, but money is definitely my growth edge. And I'm also this big believer in everything's going to work out. You know, like if I don't know how to pay my rent, I'm just like, just you wait. I will trust and believe that I will receive it and it will happen, right? And this is so traumatizing and so triggering for my husband yes. to the point where there have been months where he's just like, if it's about money, I can't hear it from you, Paul. And I'm just like, okay, this is really challenging for me because it is a growth edge. It is something that I just don't enjoy. I don't like looking at it. I don't like thinking about it at all. I just want to go out and spend it. And trust and believe that I'll always be taken care of, okay? And this has gotten me into some trouble in the past, okay? So we're working through it. And the thing is, is that it doesn't matter. I've spent thousands of dollars on -on one-on-one financial coaches. I've done so many different programs. It doesn't matter who helps me through this. The only person that can truly change it is me. And I'm not there yet. It's acknowledging the pain and suffering that it's causing in my relationship and my partner that really, really gives me pause and being like, okay, Paul, maybe it's time, right? So basically, my husband married, I'm not as far gone as his mom, but kind of like his mother, okay? Yes. So, and really, I can't sit here and be like, honey, what do you get to learn from this? Right? Because it's just like, then that releases me from all of like the, you know, but it's really my opportunity to be like, how can I take radical responsibility and make life easier for my husband, my partner? Right. And, you know, to speak about what he triggers in me is like he's not anything like my father, but he has like similar characteristic traits of being very fiery, being very like stubborn. And that triggers me to the point where I just drop into, okay, I got to stay safe. So whatever Richard says, we're going to do. We also got, we started dating eight years ago. We've been married for almost four years. We are different people now than we were in 8 8 years ago, right? I was very much like Richard take the wheel, it's easier, <laughs> right? Just like I'll follow you, whatever you do. Yes. And then it kind of like morphed into him being like, okay, whatever Paul wants, I'm going to sacrifice myself because Paul's the primary breadwinner. And now that like the tables have turned, it's just like, how do we find this, this duality? And how do we make this work?
0: It's a constant dance. We're evolving human beings. So being Mm -hmm. in a partnership is this container where we couldn't possibly learn more about ourselves and individuals are growing at different rates at different seasons and have different needs. It's it's a lot. And like Mm -hmm. you figuring out how to speak your truth in a way that he can hear and that isn't going to be as traumatizing to his old triggers. Like that is being in relation with somebody that you love. I mean, Mm -hmm. what is more powerful and intimate and vulnerable than that and terrifying. Cause what's he going to yeah. say? How's he going to react? Will you mm-hmm. figure it out? You need a fucking mm-hmm. reality TV show over there. This is the good stuff.
1: Um. Okay, cool. That's really what I want. Like that is my big dream that uh, I've been like pushing off forever and uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh my Wait, gosh. I- you
0: know what I've been thinking, Paul, while hmm. we're on the topic of reality TV show, I want to create a reality TV show where we have like a coach, two coaches, a fitness professional, a dietitian. And it's like a combination of the biggest loser without all the toxic diet culture. And it's Mm. more about helping people who are struggling, finding self-love, figuring out like a non-diet approach to wellness that feels really good and having these glow-ups from the inside out. Whereas there's so mm. many shows like this that are all about like, let's give them a bunch of Botox and a, and a makeover and give them some new clothes, which is all fine, whatever. That's great. But doing the deep inner work. So there's the reality mm. TV show concept. If anybody's into it, let's all bring it to life together.
1: Well, listen, I filmed a pilot I'm waiting on myself to edit it, but I have almost 40 hours of footage. I went to a woman's home, um, a single mom and her two kids. I spent the week with them, teaching them how to slow down, teaching them how to communicate. Oh my goodness.
0: I'm loving that you shot this. Now get your button gear and edit that
1: thing. okay, 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 okay.
0: I'm gonna check in with you in two weeks. You have two weeks to edit this (laughs) thing and then coach Aaron is coming in hot, okay?
1: Okay, all right, wow. Okay. okay.
0: If I was to send you to a deserted island, you couldn't bring another person, but you can bring three things that are going to support your overall health and wellness. What three things are you bringing with you?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to bring a really, really good face oil. Okay. Something to keep my my skin nice and hydrated.
0: Okay. Do you have a go-to face oil? One that you love?
1: Yes. So I really love Skin Owl. My good friend Annie Tevlin. Annie yeah. Tevlin,
0: I know Annie.
1: Yeah. So I love, love, love that oil. Like drench my face in it.
0: Okay, but you're on um, a sunny deserted island. So now you have a really bad sunburn. So I'm I'm listen. gonna let you piggyback some sunscreen onto that face oil.
1: Okay. Well I but wouldn't there be like a tree that I could be under?
0: You're not just going to sit under the tree the whole time.
1: Well, what am I going to do? Hang out with Wilson?
0: <laughs> Probably. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: Okay, you got your face oil, your sunscreen. Okay, I've got
1: my, my face oil and my sunscreen. Wilson and a tree. No, Wilson. I'm not, I'm not going to have a volleyball with a face on it as a best friend. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring a book that I could read over and over and over and over and over again and learn more and more and more and more and more from. And that one is Glennon Doyle her newest book, Untamed. Obsessed. um, If you haven't
0: read Untamed, press pause, order it right now, please.
1: And then the final thing that I'm going to bring is my self-reflection pack from We're Not Really Strangers, which is a card deck of 52 cards with self-reflection questions, a little journal and a pen.
0: Okay. We're going to link to all of those items in the show notes. Thank you so much. And then my last question for you today, if you could send an email to every man, woman in the world, it was going to land in their inbox. And it was your final message. Like you literally die after you send this email right there in your chair. That's it. That's all you can write. What would you say?
1: Okay. This is how I would break it down. I'd say, dear, enter your name here. Life is meant to be fun and easy, period. I know that it's been hard. I know that there's been stuff that you just you feel so, so bad about that you've been hurt. And you are not alone. You are not alone in that pain. I want to empower you today. These are my last dying words. This is my dying wish for you. I want to empower you today to choose love to choose joy, and to choose healing. Because when you move through those things, your life will be so beautiful and magical, and you will know truly why you were placed on this planet.
0: Mm. I know exactly why you were placed on this planet, and it is to do big and wonderful and good things and to help... This planet and the people on it heal. You're so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. Where can people find you if they want more?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Paul Fishman. That's my first name, Paul, last name, fish like the things that swim in the sea, man like me. And you can check out paulfishman.love. We didn't really even t- chat about my programs, but I have a my flagship program called The Self Love Diet, which has nothing to do with losing weight, everything to do with habitual nourishment of your own self love. And um, I'm always taking applications for that. So I would love to welcome you in at paulfishman.love.
0: And that program, the Self-Love Diet, I love that name, is a group program. How long does it run? Give us the details
1: about this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Let's talk about it. So it is my flagship program. It is a six-month journey. Okay, so it might sound really, really long. We used to do 10 weeks, but it wasn't enough time. So it's six months long. There's a weekly group coaching call with myself. And you also have, over the course of those six months, three one-on-one VIP coaching calls with our accountability coach. And my favorite part to gamify it and make it exciting is there's a weekly milestone that you get to accomplish through the course and the program that keeps you accountable and you can also earn self-love dollars that you can spend in the self-love shop and buy like a self-love is the best medicine t-shirt or candle or get your own facial at home and if you complete all of the milestones over the course of the 24 weeks you get entered to win a vip all expense paid hangout weekend with me wherever i am So it's like, wow,
0: so fun,
1: so fun. So over the course of these six months, I'm taking you through my five pillared approach to living a fulfilled life. The first step is self-discovery. So over the first month, what we're doing is I'm teaching you how to discover yourself. And you might be like, well, I know who I am, but a lot of us don't. And even if you do, there's still deeper that we can go, right? So the first step is self-discovery. And then we journey into self-awareness. Because once you discover who you are, first of all, it can rock your world for a second. And then I say, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit because some people want to blow up their lives. And they're like, no, 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 let's just get aware of what parts of your life you have going on that we can lean into and turn up the volume on those things to make them feel more exciting, and then get rid of the things that don't feel good anymore, right? So then after self-awareness, getting super aware of when you are the person that you just discovered that you really always been, you've just been hiding from, and also when you're not being that person, then we move into self-acceptance, like accepting, standing on your two feet, being like, this is who I am, and I accept myself, and fuck all y'all if you don't.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so once we move through self-acceptance then we step into self-expression and this is really giving you the communication tools the opportunities of how to have the conversation how to ask for what you want not only from others but from yourself and to show up in a way that feels super juicy and good and and then the final piece of the puzzle which is the piece that everyone really wants to get to really quickly but you really have to have it all the others intact is self-love And this is where we really package up everything that we've done over the previous six months and make sure that you have your own glittery pink toolbox to take on your way with you.
0: I love this. So the path that people are going on is through self-discovery, self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-expression, and then landing in a space of self-love. When you see people start this program versus where they're at at the end of it, what does that look like?
1: Well, I mean, to bring it back to to Lisa, who I shared about who the mom and also she had a job that she was just working because she had to make money and she really didn't like it. It looked like her sitting down with her husband and being like, hey, this job isn't fulfilling me anymore. I want to go find a new job. And it might look like me making less money. It might look like me doing XYZ. Can I do that? Right. It looks like her not worrying about how her kids are like mentally and emotionally in the sense of like what they're seeing her doing. It was her saying, I'm going to take care of my mental and emotional health. I'm going to fill myself up so that then I can pour into them first. And her just witnessing how that changed. So the magic really happens when you see the impact it makes on you. And how then it impacts the people that you love the most. It is my pride and joy. This program is. It changed my life. It's it's fully based on all of the things that I did over the course of a ten year self love journey where I did it on my own, kicking, screaming, falling flat on my face. I feel that if you join this program, first of all, investing in yourself changes everything because you're like, oh my gosh, I am worth this. I'm prioritizing
0: my myself. <laughs> I mean, we spend so much money on superficial things that mm-hmm. bring us a quick hit of joy. but Ultimately, it's not getting beneath the surface. And so I think when you invest in this kind of program, it is ultimately an acknowledgement that you're ready
1: to right. go deeper. Exactly. If you want to learn more, just go to paulfishman.love forward slash self love diet. And I'm just so excited just to, and grateful Aaron for you holding space for me to share. And, and I just love this conversation.
0: I just adore you. And I'm so excited for everybody to grab on and to learn more about you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate review or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.